It's the California Wine Country Podcast with Steve Jackson and Dan Berger. We taste, we laugh, we learn. It is California Wine Country brought to you by Bottle Barn. Barry Herbst from Bottle Barn will be joining us. They're doing a big rosé for summer sipping thing with uh, outrageous amounts of really good rosés. We'll talk more to Barry about that. And our guest today with Dan Berger is Moray Breelin from Moray Breelin Wines. Welcome. Thank you very much. Let's get the history of the winery first, and then we'll talk more about you as owner and uh, winemaker. Sure. So it's named after myself, Moray Breelin, and I've been in the wine industry for over 10 years. I started in the tasting room at Silver Oak. And uh, from there, quickly realized that there was more to wine than just being able to swirl it without spilling. And so I started taking classes. I still haven't uh, mastered that, <laughs> but go ahead. I'll, I'll give you some tips. Okay. <laughs> and, and so I started going to the junior college and taking classes there with, um, uh, and then interning at the San Francisco Chronicle Wine Competition hmm. and uh, just reading publications. I, you know, I, I drank the juice. I got excited about it. My palate was just starting to get out of the Smirnoff ice phase and uh and so so then moving up here to sonoma county it was um just perfect timing and it's so easy to be a tourist here in sonoma and so i uh, yeah just went from silver oak to costa brown after a couple of years um wow at, uh, yeah that's a hell of a resume for a young person <laughs> <laughs> thank you it was the right place right time right attitude and, uh, and so I went to Costa Brown. Um, Dan and Michael were still there. It was after the first sale, and I left shortly after the second. But my job there was to um, just send Dan and Michael out into the world and, and promote Pinot Noir and KB and, and also do uh, internal events and, uh, and help them with, with tastings, shipping out wine. Oh, I ship so many so many bottles all over for all their different events and uh and so that was actually my first exposure to production uh, at silver oak everybody has a hat and and you have you know what you're doing but at kb it was 12 people and so we wore a lot of different hats and so i would set up for dan and michael's tastings and um and while i was there i'm talking to julian Hausepian, who's the winemaker now but he was the cellar master at the time and I'm like, what are you doing today? What about those grapes you brought in yesterday? Have you ever forgotten about a tank? I was just kind of this little sister that, that would pop around and ask them <laughs> questions. I, I loved that camaraderie and that energy around the fruit. Um, and, and he was kind. He would answer, and then after a bit, he, you know, okay, okay, it's done. And I would go sort fruit. Um, I would uh, clean their kitchen. Oh, it was always such a mess. We know those intern kitchens during harvest. But that was my way of contributing because I was not going to wake up early. <laughs> <laughs> I am I am still a night owl, and so now I say that I wake up early for grapes or golf. Otherwise, it's, yeah, you'll hear from me around nine nine a.m. <laughs> they can get a hold of me by noon yeah. these days <laughs> if you're lucky. <laughs> if they're lucky, Moray Breland, 
It's uh, MoreyBrelinWines.com. It's such a cool name. It says on the website, a boutique winery in Sonoma County with a focus on Pinot Noir and supporting animal shelters. Talk yeah. about that. Yeah. Amen that. to that. Why, thank you. Yeah, I can't remember a time when I didn't have a pet in the house. And so um, I worked at, after Costa Brown, I spent five years at Hall Wines over in Napa. And did uh, quite a bit of different things over in the marketing and admin department. I became um, Catherine Hall's executive assistant. I was the virtual happy hour producer in um, in 2020 and 2021. Virtual what? happy hour, yeah. Well, yep the the year when we all had to pivot, and so um, so we you know we're all twiddling our thumbs, and our uh, our team got together and we created the idea of. Um, our PR going out and finding just any kind of A, B, C list celebrity that would talk to us, <laughs> drink our wine and talk to us. I'm you surprised know, so- you didn't call us. <laughs> she didn't go down to Z. She stopped at C. <laughs> and, uh, and so by the end, we had um, Tina Fey, the cast of Schitt's Creek. We had Ed O'Neill, Martin Short. Wow. Um, yeah, countless music um, artists and athletes. All of the desperate housewives of whatever big city. <laughs> we could get them to do uh, quite a bit with wine. <laughs> and, um, you know, have you seen Desperate Housewives of Pengrove? No. Oh, it's one of my favorite shows. I've been watching it nightly. Uh, go ahead. Yeah, and so one of our guests um, was Adam Lee. And so he came on our show and... Uh, and he had just done a show the day before with um, the same crew. We were talking about the Santa Lucia Highlands. And our winemaker, Walt, was our, our Walt winemaker. There's, there's some Pictionary going on here. <laughs> or charades. <laughs> we're trying to get Barry a glass. Barry just joined us, everyone. I thought he was asking for a corkscrew. Yeah. Of course. Oh, my I'm gosh. Getting, I'm getting a signal from Harry, which is the first... The weirdest one I've ever seen in 50 years of radio. I was matching Joe's early one. Do you remember that one? (laughs) (laughs) There's so many weird signals I'm getting these days from you guys. You Uh, know, it's so funny, though. In wineries, it's impossible to find corkscrews, and you have a whole coffee cup full of them. I mean, it is, yeah, that would be fought over. Every winery brings one in. Oh, that's great, yeah. Well, my wines, are, my wines are screw caps. Well, there you go. <laughs> there you go. No my special favorites. tools necessary. Thanks exactly. to Ray. Exactly. Thanks to Ray. Talk Graham. about your uh, a little more about how you became uh, such a good winemaker and and how did you 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 mentioned the places you worked, which are amazing. Thank you. But how did you um, did you go to UC Davis or Fresno or no? I mean, you just uh, learned how to make wine from working at great wineries. Yeah, while I did live in Davis, I was the teen center director for the city of Davis. Oh, cool. So, yeah, that was my previous life. I was a big kid. Kind of just got to do whatever I wanted to do. Um, I wanted to do inflatable jousting, so I set up events for that. (laughs) Hey, kids, we're inflatable jousting today. I've been in one of those hamster balls. We would make strawberry shortcakes. I would... Um, am I allowed to swear? No. I would kick their butts in pool. That's better, yes. <laughs> you can say kick their ass in pool. I don't care. You know, and so so it was great. Um, I was a psychology major at Sac State, and 
a minor in government. I thought, you know, people in the government are everywhere. They'd be easy to find a job, and that's not true. I should have majored in business or marketing. <laughs> but um, so, so I ended up with teens, and then I moved here to Sonoma County to uh, be the teen center director for the Boys and Girls Club in Healdsburg. And, and then, you know, just went wine tasting all the time and, um, and found wine and, and started to um, focus on that. But I worked with um, Adam Lee, or I work with. And so, um, as and Adam was, Lee explained, Adam Lee, yeah, Adam Lee, um, previously of Siduri and, uh, and now focuses on Clarice, Beaumarche. We have Busy Signal, um, Dial Tone, and, and we consult for uh, quite a few different people on their Pinot Noir program. Um, more recently, Ron Bauer, they're coming out, or they came out with a, a Pinot in March, and uh, we're the consulting winemakers for that from the Santa Lucia Highlands. Um, our busy signal and dial tone are from um, Santa Rita Hills in Santa Barbara County. Um, yeah, lots going on. We're going to Larock and going to go check out some fruit there. So um, lots, lots of things happening. And so working with Adam, I, I was walking the rows and tasting the tanks and doing everything he was doing. And there's just something that, that I want to do to do too. And, uh, and so I started in the Russian River. That was my first aha kind of wine. Um, the first wine that I spent over grocery store prices on. <laughs> and, uh, yeah, it was like, $50? What? I make $7 an hour. Nope, this one's special. Like, I, I wanted it. And so, so yeah, so I started with four tons of fruit in the Russian River Valley, uh, the single vineyard called Lakeview, farmed by Jim Pratt out in Green Valley near Kiefer Ranch. And I get two different clones. I made a Russian River blend with some Heinz Vineyard, and I have a rosé from um, both the uh, Russian River and Santa Lucia Highlands. We're going to be talking rosé today with uh, Moray Breland from Moray Breland Wines and Barry Herbst from Bottle Barn. Bottle Barn's doing a whole big uh, rosé thing for summer sipping. But first, we're going to hear for the first time today from a guy named Dan. That would be you, Dan. We're talking oh, about... Yes. Wake oh, up, oh, Dan. Oh, oh, oh. <laughs> the cellar wine this week is, this this Wednesday, is a 2013 Bailiana Fire Peak Chardonnay from Edna Valley Vineyards. It's gorgeous. Yeah, it's uh, just gorgeous it, wine. And it was made by Christian Rogenau, who is one of the great winemakers in America, and he was French trained and uh, works in California now. He's now he's at Light Post Winery, uh, which is technically well, it's in Morgan Hill, basically. Uh, his wines are really, really strong. And the, the connection between Christian Rogena and and Moray is is amazing. <laughs> and I never thought of it till just the second. <laughs> thirteen degrees the of both, separation. Yeah, thirteen. Yeah. No, the actually the, the connection is amazing. And you you'd love to meet him because he's a fabulous French trained. And what's really the connection between the two of you is that how neither one of you is afraid of acidity. These wines all all of your wines so far have shown a, a personality based on acid and that's a critical determining factor in quality these days because so much of california wine is too soft for me so there you go and thank you nobody uses the word on this show acid more than dan (laughs) Berger. in fact he uses the word acid more than i did in college (laughs) 
<laughs> if you get well, my you're drift. a personality built on acid, right? <laughs> <laughs> well, for years we called this show NPR on acid. <laughs> nice. Uh, uh, it's a lovely shard, Dan. And 2013. Yeah. Well, you know, good good storage and great acidity, and that's what you get. And your only bottle. My last bottle. The only bottle, yeah. Wow. Good storage is key. Yeah. It's not his bottle anymore. Yeah. Well, 50, 55 <laughs> degrees the entire time it was in <laughs> in my cellar. So. Moray Breland is with us. Moray Breland Wines. She is the owner and winemaker there. And uh, what did you just pour us to taste? Yeah, and in your glass is the uh, Stray Cats. It's 100% Muscadel from the Sonoma Valley. And... Uh, Peg Melnick just wrote that up as one of the top 12 summer whites to stock up on. And Barry just brought in a case at Bottle Barn. I delivered it there this afternoon. Yeah. Personal service. <laughs> it's nice. That's, That's a, a delicious lovely wine. wine. Yeah. Absolutely yeah. Thank you. Really you, never, you never see Muscadel made as a single varietal. You never see it. Yeah, it's right. always blended. Explain what the, Muscadel is. Well, it's a, it's a third variety in Bordeaux. It's a usually blended with Sauvignon Blanc and Semillon to make uh, a white Bordeaux blanc blend. And in this case, it's 100%. I've never tasted it as a single varietal before. It's delicious wine. It's really mm-hmm. great. And it's acidity. It's got a little bit of that sort of grapefruit pith character. And the personality of the wine is very straightforward and very simple, but very delicious and great with seafood, especially things like uh, scallops. Mm-hmm. And, and there's a case of it at Bottle Barn, right, yeah. Barry? Yes, there yeah, is. Yeah, Barry. Yeah, to talk about this wine. Find it at Bottle Barn. Yeah, so this, you were saying it's it's a white Bordeaux varietal, but it's got enough body it would handle like an oily fish, like a heavier full body. Sure. Whereas a lot of Sauvignon Blanc and Simeons are crisp and, and angular. This this wine is really rounded out, and the acid really supports it. I want a bucket of steam clams right oh, now. Oh, there you that go. Way, there, that's perfect for this. Yeah. Absolutely. You guys are taking all my talking points. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> That's exactly everything that I say. Yeah, stone fruit. Stone fruit dry, too. You don't really see muscadels um, as dry and also, as Dan mentioned, 100% on its own. So I think mm-hmm. the color is beautiful, um, but my the, what I think is most striking is that handsome uh Orange kitty on the label, and so uh, <laughs> that's my <laughs> yep. That's my uh, that's my cat Simba, and so um, this wine benefits animal shelters. It's part of my stray wine series, and uh, I also have a stray dogs, and and my uh, dog Stout is on that label, which is also carried you at Bottle Barn. <laughs> you may have already mentioned this, but I'm not here. Uh, where did you grow up? Oh, the small little town called Patterson. It's uh, in the Central Valley along I-5. You blink and Mm. you missed it, Mm. but you've definitely driven by it on your way to L.A. It's Um, it's it's the town you say, here comes the nice little town, wasn't it? That was it. <laughs> yeah, you miss the exit that, and you have to go another 10 minutes to get to the second exit. Yeah, you stop for coffee, gas. Um, but when I was growing up, it was an agriculture town, uh, Apricots. We were the apricot capital of the world. And it, um, yeah, I grew up there, very small town, 10,000 people or so. And uh, my uh, Patterson Irrigator, my hometown paper, just came up this past weekend to interview me and talk about cool. what I'm doing. And, and uh, it's uh-huh. not apricots, but still <laughs> agriculture. <laughs> yeah, kept it in well, the family. I like your wine better than apricots. Apricots. <laughs> <laughs> well, there's the apricot fiesta every year, the first weekend of June. <laughs> 
close down the circle. D- Dan, talk more about this. Muscadel. Yeah, Muscadel. Spell that first. M U S C A D E L L E. It's a it's a, a, a sub variety. <laughs> yeah. It's a sub variety uh, in the Bordeaux uh, region. Uh, it grows elsewhere as well, usually as a blender. Mm-hmm. Uh, in fact, like I said, I've never seen it before as a varietal. But I think most interestingly, if it's made as a varietal, and now that I know that it can be. It can be really fascinating. It is different from anything else I've ever smelled or tasted, but it's not unique in the sense of non-mainstream. It is somewhat mainstream in terms of the the aromatics you get. It's a, it's a classic white Bordeaux-style wine, but without any of the Semillon. Yeah, this would fit in nicely between Sauvignon Blanc drinkers and Chardonnay drinkers. It's, you know... I agree. Neither yeah. heavy one direction or the other. Kind right. Of, I think both sides would like the wine. Yeah, and and I was I was tempted to add in about a couple of gallons of Sauvignon Blanc, but I I was really kind of doing a reverse, you know, because usually it's five percent Muscadel mm-hmm. and instead of um, the Sauvignon Blanc. But I I still really love the idea of just seeing it one hundred percent and seeing how that aged and that was, and and so um, I'm glad that Dan's Dan, a, Dan's you, a fan. You've never before had. 100%? No, yeah, me neither. Never. I've never. Really? No. Never seen it. Did I mean, you mention these are 120 year old vines too? Yep. You 120 year old vines and uh, only That's 65 crazy. cases made. All right. Amazing. What else has thou brought? <laughs> <laughs> well, uh, let's go a shade darker and, uh, and get to some rose. So I have a. Uh, Rosé 2021, um, it was my inaugural vintage, and it's what I um, have. I only have left at, at Bottle Barn um, with Barry, and then it's it's by the glass at the Fountain Grove Club. Um, and so it is uh, 50% from my Russian River Valley vineyards and 50% from the Rosellas Vineyard in Santa Lucia Highlands. It's made with a, a couple of different techniques. I get the free-run juice just from the grapes pressing on top of each other um, from the vineyard to the winery so minimal minimal skin contact and then i uh do the sonye bleed as well the who what the yes <laughs> geek <laughs> <Thanks. or>. yes <laughs> geek alert uh so the sonye bleed so about 36 48 hours after the grapes have been on the skins um or the juice has been on the skins i uh, bleed off a small amount of the juice and put it into neutral barrels to um, ferment that. So it has some skin contact. That's what gives us the pretty pink oh, color. That um, is wonderful. But um, in 2022, my next one, that has those two as well as seven days on the skins in brand new oak uprights from the Gary's Vineyard in Santa Lucia Highlands. We're going to talk more about the rosé situation for the summer that you guys are doing at Bottle Barn. And how many rosés are you guys featuring uh, right now? I think we're in the 60, 70 range right now. And wow. we'll probably peak out over 100. Most years we get over 100 at some point, And I don't think this will be any exception. And as the weather gets warmer, we'll carry more labels. That's when people want to drink rosé. The uh, Moray Brelin rosé is the third shelf down on the far left. <laughs> yeah, that's right. <laughs> Well, it used to be a stack, but you're running out. When the new one comes in, we'll get it stacked again. It'll be easy to find. So the 2021 and the 22, um, I I compare them to sisters. They um, 
are uh, they're made the same in neutral barrels and uh, for two months, three months bottled in December. Um, but they have a little bit of a different genetic makeup. The 22 is from the Santa Lucia Highlands, the Gary's and Rosella's Vineyard, where my 21 was half Russian River, half Rosella's Vineyard. So a little bit different, a little darker color. Um, like I mentioned, I think uh, right at the end, I added 30 gallons from a brand new oak upright that had some really good tannin structure to add to the wine and, as well as some color. Dan and I were, were geeking out on it earlier. Just uh, what did you call it? A structural marvel? Yeah, yeah I like that. <laughs> Absolutely. Dan? I'll take that. <laughs> making making rosé is the, one of the more tricky uh, things in the business, and the problem is always going to be color uh versus aromatics and flavor and if you worry about the color you're going to somehow make a mistake on the flavor so in this case what moray did was absolutely brilliant first of all making sure that the fruit came in early enough so that the acid was good enough to carry the wine without any additional manipulation so the wine is the 21 in particular the and you've got a few bottles left at bottle barn i guess yeah um, stunning wine. I mean, what I like about it more than anything else is the fact that it's really dry, but <laughs> not austere. So you have the richness of the Chardonnay, uh, excuse me, the richness of the rosé, but and the red, of course, but with good acidity to carry it so it goes with food. And here's a wine that really is the all-purpose wine. So if you have somebody at the table eating seafood and somebody else eating steak, hey, this is your perfect wine. Yeah, I think Thank the you. 22s, uh, when that comes in, it'll be... Even more. Yeah, it's got more grip, more texture, more intensity. I think it'll stand up The, the 22 flavors. is a little more red in, in personality. Yeah, which mm-hmm. might scare some people, but... Uh, to be oh, honest, it scared I, me. Yeah, I, have to, <laughs> I talk people through it a lot. I mean, one of the most famous rosés in the world, Tavel Rosé, is uh, darker than this. Right, for and sure. And is consumed by the boatload down in the south of France. So, uh, And they age beautifully, by the way. Just as a side note, if you... Oh, there you go. You, you worked it in. I, got you. It. I snuck it in, Harry. There's, there's always got to be a lay it down in there. Have you met Dan? A year or two extra in the bottle, yeah. and all you do is get better. Or ten. For 10 years, I've called you. Well, I, wouldn't wait, I wouldn't wait 10. But. No, no. But I sure, say sure. for 10 years, I've called you Dan Lay It Down Burger. That's true. Yeah. You have. <laughs> Uh, I think it's finally sticking. The name. <laughs> He's given enough examples. He's legally changed his name. <laughs> I, saw, I saw his driver's, driver's license. license. Yeah. So uh, what do we have left to taste? So I have my two Pinot Noirs, my inaugural release, also available at Bottle Barn. And so my Russian River, it is 150 cases, and it, the majority is... My single vineyard, Lakeview, but two barrels are from the Heinz Vineyard of their Pinot Noir. So uh, 60% new French oak, 30% whole cluster, and uh, I I really like this. Forbes wrote it up as the wine to have at Thanksgiving. Uh, It's gotten multiple 90, 91 point ratings from various spectator, bloggers, critics, things of that sort. And those those fun people that we love, um, and uh, yeah, I'm interested to hear what what your thoughts are. One thing I should mention: these are all screw top wines, which I am more and more hearing from customers that they really like it. They don't oh, want to I do futz around with the corkscrew; they want to just get to it. And uh, it's more and more popular. I see it on fifty, sixty, seventy dollar. We sold a seventy dollar Chardonnay. 
this Sunday or Tuesday. Um, sold out of it from Australia, and it's all screw top. So, Fantastic. Yeah. Go screw top. And, and we see yeah. we see that <laughs> basically in a white wine stand. Mm-hmm. And yes, sir. But um, thanks to Randall Graham and his commitment to screw caps, we have a lot of people who have moved over, and thankfully so. Now, I have to admit that we're yet to decide whether screw cap is really necessary for long-term aging wine. We think it does okay. We think mm-hmm. it does fine. The problem is that we haven't a 30-year history with it, or a 20-year history. Right mm-hmm. now, 10 years, and we know it works fine. Quickly, yeah. your thoughts on this Pinot, Dan? I think the Pinot, both Pinots I've tasted in both are fabulous wines. Just I like the Sonoma in. County wine slightly more than the, uh, what they call that? You mean the uh, Russian Lake, River the Russian versus River, the yeah, single the vineyard? Yeah, Lakeview Vineyard one uh, is sure. slightly. I think that's backward. I think that there, there's it just needs an extra six months in a bottle before it starts to come around. I think screw totally caps agree. tend to do that. They mm-hmm. retard the development. But uh, both of these wines are stri- strikingly interesting because they both have slight Burgundian characteristics, loads of fruit, and what personality? Great, great personality in the wines. It's Thank California you. Wine Country. Our guest today, Moray Breelin, MoreyBreelinWines.com. You must check them out. Barry Hurst from Bottle Barn. We'll be talking more rosé next week, I guess. Yes. All right, Moray, uh, honored to meet you. Thank you for coming in. We'll see you again. I hope so.